I'm Charlie Taylor. I'm Ben Carter. I run hip hop by the numbers on Twitter. We use hip hop statistics to highlight the bigger picture. And I'm director of the Fifth Element, where I highlight Fifth Element hip hop, which is knowledge. You might win some, but you just lost one. You might win some, but you just lost one. You might win some, but you just gained a very decent podcast called Digging Digits, and you're just about to listen to that. Let's go. This is the thing. My intro is better, but hey, man, whatever. We'll talk oh, what was your, what was the intro, Ben? When I was falsettoing. Shout out, sh- shout out to the people. <laughs> that thing, that thing, that thing. See, that's not bad, man. That's not bad. <laughs> come on, that's not come bad. Come on, we're coming in with these vocals here. Shit, it's not, it's not bad. It's not bad at all. I've been working on that. Yeah. I've been working on that. Ah, shit, man. I'll take okay. it. Okay. I'll take it. Someone get Ben on the phone for some vocals. <laughs> What's up? Line is open. Oh, I need the money too. You can take the money. Email, phone, text, WhatsApp, all of that. DM LinkedIn. Me, bro. LinkedIn, man. Hit me on LinkedIn. <laughs> IG, DM, Facebook Messenger. Fuck. Jeez, you could even send me a... Okay. Hit, me, hit me in the post as well if you want. I don't care. Fuck it. <laughs> the snail mail. Oh, wow. Okay, right. Well, on that note. On that note, we shall swiftly move on. Alright. Uh, talk about some tunes that uh, you know professionals have done. Um, hi Ben, how's your week been? What have you been listening to this week? It's been an interesting week. Uh, just been just chilling by myself, hanging out with my parents in isolation. We have not been doing anything. Today was actually the first time I've gone out around other humans. Uh, I went shopping this morning, and I won't be going shopping again for like ten days. I spent one hundred and fifty dollars. I'm like, this is garbage, man. I don't want to do this regularly. Uh, I tell you what though, it reminded me how much I freaking love driving. I went for this drive on Saturday and I just put on this playlist of, you know, emotional vibes and I was crying, I was singing, I was laughing. It was just like, it was, it was like being in the club, but like a mobile club, just driving around New South Wales. It was really great. So it hasn't been that bad of a week, all things considered, like considering the situation, um, <clears throat> I listen to a lot, but I'm not going to get into all of them. I'll get into some of them. I'm going to go from best to worst, and it's weird that I'm going to say this is the best, but it's Joyner Lucas, ADHD. Now, I know a lot of people dislike Joyner Lucas, but for some reason, his antics are always just below my radar. So to be 100% honest, I don't know if I should or shouldn't hate him. I don't know. I don't know what he does. I don't know why people hate him. I, I just don't. It's not on my radar. So my enjoyment of his music is not tainted by his whatever his extracurricular activities are. So I come in here and say this album fucking bangs. It gets deep. Joyner is a really, really good rapper. And I really, really enjoy this album. It's really solid. I think the title track is my favorite. I really felt that one. Um, I saw some people disliking Devil's Work. I love that song too. Can't recommend this one higher, man. It's a good. This is a good project. I really enjoyed that. Um, next was Lil Lowski, Sacrifices. And when people criticize hip hop in 2020, I send them to artists like Lil Lowski because this is someone who happily throws himself emotionally into every song he drops. Sacrifices 
the the song the title track is really powerful my time is really motivational important is introspective but confident pop my seal is really dark and painful the range of emotions that these new school artists are showing is brilliant honestly it's a lean you know this lane is now wide open and people like Lil Lowski are just fishtailing down them like bouncing off the corners like I really love that I really love the emotional range the beats on this project are really great they're engaging and interesting and they slap and Lowski skates on them I, I love this project man good find uh, Maze 301 Hassan Phase 2 uh, another strange music release this one, yo, this album's crazy. This definitely threw me for a loop because Real Real Love is my track of the year so far. It's a fucking bop, but I'm going to tell you, it's like the darkness mixed with Passion Pit mixed with early Depeche Mode. It's crazy. It's the last track on the EP. The diversity on the EP is crazy. The first track is like hard edge rapping, a heavy beat. The second track is like a slow singing track about relationships the third track is a soulful and delicate duet with uh, Lila, Lilia, Lila. I'm not sure how to pronounce her name. I apologize. The final track is Real Real Love. And that, bro, if you put that on, you're going to have a good day. That's a good day in one song. So much respect for him for taking so many risks on this on this project. doesn't sound like anything out of strange music right now. It just sounds, you know, it's really fresh. Uh, Jarmed, The Boofmobile. I kind of needed this one for my playlist, so I'll shout out my playlist. I've got a hip-hop numbers playlist now. Last week I had on the playlist, I had all this crazy energy, and this week it was more vibe-focused. But the energy on this EP by Jarmed is wild, man. The beats are solid. They're the, kind of, yeah, they're the kind of thing you hear like thumping out of cars driven by people who know what they're talking about. Like you drive next to someone and you can hear Rockstar by Post Malone like pumping out, and you're like, Nah, nah, man. Eh. But you drive next to someone, you hear something like shook ones, then you're like, ah, oh, okay, I know what you, I know what the vibes are, and I think that this is that. You know, it's just like not shook ones, obviously, but it's like if you're listening to this kind of music, you know what you're talking about. Uh, Mazda was my favorite song on that, and yeah, again, really enjoyed it. Short project EP, I think, but great, great project. Recognize, recognize uh, Pressure Point Meridian 1 is a four-song EP from Recognize. It's another Strange Music member. Um, <clears throat> uh, he's one of the more diverse artists on Strange Music. He can dip into singing, rapping, switches his flow and cadence, melds, melds his voice to the beat. It's a real experience listening to his music. And as usual with all Strange Music artists, the lyrics stack up and there's solid content here. I think Low Water is the best on this project. I really enjoyed that again. You know, it's only four songs, so jump into that. Give that a spin. Uh, I didn't get to this when I when I actually listened to it, but Ignatius by Jadakiss. I felt a lot like you, Charlie. It just didn't do it for me. You know, Jadakiss, yeah. is, Jadakiss is a very interesting artist to me. There are a lot of genuine hard-edged street rappers. There, sorry, there aren't a lot of genuine hard-edged street rappers transitioning into the grown and mature bag. Now, E-40 does it, but he slips back into his old persona a lot. Jay-Z does it. Nas can do it, but Nas is a unicorn, and he can rap on anything, about anything. But I'm just going to give you this hypothetical. Imagine Benny the Butcher in 15 years rapping this. Better let her do her thing. I like to give her slack. Some a little bit, but she drink. I like to get her smacked. Walk downstairs to the kitchen. I like to get her snacks. 
She get on my nerves, but I can live with that. No. No, Jadakiss, no. You're not getting that off. I'm sorry. You can't have hunting season with Pusha T and then like the two tracks later you have that garbage. You, no, you did, you did still feel me. You did why? You rapped on Reservoir Dogs. You can't get that off. I'm sorry. So, no. No, 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 no. Like, when he's when he's going back to his old persona, yes. Ugh. Nah, man. Um, Party Next Door. Party Mobile. So, I heard mm. Joe Budden podcast breaking down Savage Anthem. And yes, the lyrics are wild. But unfortunately, Party is just really boring. I, I'm going to say it. It feels like he phoned in most of this album. Like... He was just chilling at home. He's like, yeah, I got the Drake feature. I got the Rihanna feature. I'm probably going to get 100K first week just off that. So I'll just put it out. Mm -hmm. Whatever, man. I'll just go in the studio. I I analyzed the lyrics last night. They're not that deep, man. I mean, Savage Savage Anthem. Did I say Savage Mode or Savage Anthem? Anyway, Savage Anthem. Savage Anthem, yeah. Yeah, Savage Anthem is a song. Bro, that's a great song lyrically. But it's just a sleepy record. I couldn't find anything on this album. I'm trying to put something on my playlist that's going to like impact. And it's just, oh man, this is just real disappointing. Really disappointing. Mm-hmm. Any question that this is better than the Weekend album, it, it, give me a break. Like, uh, unless I wrote, unless you're a huge party stan or you're being paid by the label. And I know there are people being paid by the label. So, just look at those people and be like, hmm, why are you saying that? Because, I don't know, man, That's, this is not it, this is not it, it's boring. Uh, Jeezy, 2020 Pyrex Vision, I just wish Jeezy didn't do this. Jeezy has classics like Seen It All, I Do, he has TM101, he's the snowman, but I don't want to catch you in 2020 sneaking out this little 17-minute, seven-song EP like the kids are doing. Unless you're going to drop seven anthems. These are not fucking anthems. They sound like they try way too hard to be contemporary. Too hard to juggle the new and the old school. Jeezy just sounds boring and rote. It's like he's reading off a generic Jeezy teleprompter. It's just very, very disappointing. Uh, Skepta, Chip, Young Ads, Insomnia. I was disappointed. I just... It just didn't. I I don't know Chip and Young Ads very well, so maybe you know that's mm. my issue because the beats did not match up with Skepta. Um, mm. It just didn't feel like his lane. And when when it yeah. got a bit harder, yeah, I was like, yeah, man, this is this is hard. But like, I went back and looked for some old Skepta, and I was just listening to Shutdown. I was like, bro, this guy is just the energy is wild. But yeah, on this, I was just really bored by it, to be honest. And finally. The least favorite album of the week was Pandemic by Comethazine. I just, Comethazine just, he, he snuck out a one track EP on us because it's 20 minutes of the same song. I don't know what the <laughs> fuck he's doing. It's the same song 12 times. Don't try and pretend like you've got 12 tracks on here. You just split yep. it up so that it, it, it streams better. This is just boring. He's so much better than this. This was just this was not it either. So it was a bit of a disappointing week for me, to be 100% honest. But the underground came mm. through. So, yeah, that's what I got into. What about yourself? Um, 
Right, so yeah, I'll, I'll begin uh, chronologically as I always do. Uh, so Jeff Parker, Sweet for Max Brown. So I did listen to this a few weeks ago, but um, I was kind of, uh, I, I kind of just half listened to it in the background, and I uh, wanted to give it proper time. Um, so yeah, this is a jazz album. Uh, he's, uh, I think, a guitarist, and uh, there are good guitar elements in this. Uh, but yeah, it's a very, um, it's a very. Uh, it's a very light moving one, very very slow paced. Uh, you know, it is something that would actually go well in the background. <laughs> now that I've listened to it properly, and uh, probably why it just went by like a um, just like a breeze the first time I listened to it, because it really is just that. It's, it's nice and breezy. It's not too in your face. Uh, yeah, it's nice and clean. But speaking of in your face, um, irreversible entanglements. Uh, who sent you? Uh, it's a little EP from them. Well, I say EP, but it's 47 minutes. So yeah. take that how you will. That's a fucking double <laughs> album in 2020. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. Isn't it, bro? It's, it's funny, isn't it? Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll laugh works, I'll tell you. Please, guys, can we just can we say which is now which is the EP? Can we have like some actual guidelines? Can you lot just keep chopping and changing? I keep getting... I'm getting fucking vertigo from this shit. So anyway, um, so yeah, so it's five tracks, 47 minutes, so yeah. Um, it's, it's like a jazz album, most jazz albums anyway, but... Um, yeah, so it's very loud. Uh, it's very, uh, uh, I would, I don't, I don't want to say clunky because that has negative connotations. But it's like it's, it's just got elements just jumping in and out. Um, the, there's a there's a vocalist here. Um, well, he's not a vocalist. He's like a it's, it's like spoken word kind of thing. Um, while I do enjoy that kind of jazz, um, or that kind of element in jazz, um, I feel like there was just more that could have been given on that front. Um, most of the time, it's not. It wasn't like Rhapsody in a, a Terry Line Carrington's and Social Sciences album from last year. It wasn't like that. Where it was just like where she gave full verses and they were just like spoken word and they were fire. It was one of the best. It was one of the best verses last year, in my opinion. This one was just like, uh, well, there was one song called "Who Sent You," and he just he just says, he just says "Who Sent You," "Who Sent You." It's just, it has bre- it has like you know depth to it. Like I feel it why it's going on, but like you know say something else <laughs> you know what I mean? but um yeah regardless of that it was, it was okay um there was a one there was one song that I just really that was just a bit too all over the place for me personally um but yeah overall so it's 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 it's, it's all right uh Ari Lennox's Shea Butter Baby remixes um, oh, yeah. it's only that? three tracks and uh yeah it's okay um because it's only three tracks and the Doja Cat one on BMO's uh kind of it was a bit uh it was just like semi-averse kind of thing it was just like it was basically just slapped on um, the Smino one on um, I Bin, which is one of my favorite tracks off the uh, OG album. Uh, Smino was very good on that. Uh, he kind of just kicked it all off, and then the actual song itself came in. It was it was it was nice. I enjoyed it actually. It was it was, it was probably a really good one. But the best one was definitely uh, the last one. Uh, I forgot the track name, but uh, and I forgot the artist that was fucking added to it. <laughs> Let me just go on and actually uh, get that out for you. Uh, yeah, so FaceTime with Duran Bernard, uh, and that was a that, that was a genuine just like uh, they reconstructed the song and hand put Duran in it. Um, so yeah, that was that was that was probably the best one. But I've been it's probably just I just love that track in general. So it's it's, it's kind of fire, and you can't go wrong with Smino. Um, my boy Terrace Martin's back once again. Soul Juice EP this time. Funny enough, the amount say similar amount of time to the previous album, quote unquote. It's funny how that works again. Uh yeah, this is this is uh Rayab Mali uh, in terms of what Terrace does. Uh, you know, it's got the 
you have them saxophone uh, uh, bits in there. It's very very jazzy sometimes, but there's some hip hop beats and some sprinkled in some of them. Some of the tracks, it's very solid. It's very Terrace Mine. Uh, no vocals this time, just all instrumental. And uh, yeah, man, it, it's it, it's super clean. Uh, Skepta Chip Young adds Insomnia. Um, okay, so I'm obviously more inclined to talk about this <laughs> compared to Ben. Um, uh, considering enough. Well, I haven't, I haven't listened to Young Nantes' music, just to be real. Um, uh, I, I think, yeah, he's a, he's not my cup of tea, personally, in terms of sound. Um, he clearly goes down, you know, the uh, the uh, Nav kind of route in that terms of music. It's kind of what I hear when I hear him. Um, obviously, he's got way better bars than Nav, just to say, guys. He's got way better bars, I will say that. But, yeah, sound-wise... It's just, it, it sound wise, it's not just, it's just on my speed. And that's kind of the same with this particular album. It feels like Young Ads was on it. Uh, it's like Young Ads' project, but they just, he just somehow got the chip and skeptic to just basically yeah. um, mm-hmm. tag along for the whole album. Um, while there's so many bars on here that are just worth, you know, reading and just like, you know, and, and it's very enjoyable, great hooks on some of these. Uh, some of these, but the beats, to be honest, for me, it was just a bit run of the mill. Uh, apart from like a couple of tracks, maybe Santa Pay was good. Um, uh, one of the one of the one of the last few tracks, maybe Cincy, I forget, I forget. But um, yeah, it was a uh, it was it was a bit run of the mill for me, sound wise, and it kind of took me out. Um, I just don't. Once again, I don't like when Ice just use or tune just because it's the wave and Young Ads does that. It's basically his thing. And I'm just like, no, there's no reason for it. It's just, it's it's not adding anything to it. You just, you just ride in a wave basically. And I don't know why it's a wave. It's not, it's not enticing to me at all. You just sound, it just sounds bad to me. Um, but yeah, Skepta's great. Um, in most of this, um, I think he's a bit on the background for most, most of it, to be honest. Uh, but uh, Chip, uh, just a little background on Chip because you because you don't know he's actually been in the game for a good while. Um, I think he was he started rapping. I think on the well he start he dropped his like first album when he was like I don't know seventeen something like that. Um, and he's like twenty something now. So yeah, he's been in the game for a while and he's um you know he he does not run out of bars. Like his bar game is one of the best. It's elite. He has an elite pen. Um, and you know he's like I said the lyrics are great on these. Um, on the on this album, but like sound wise, I just can't get into it. It's just not my vibe. It's just not my vibe uh, in terms of beats, in terms of just vocal inflections. Don't like it. Just it's just not it's not my not on my radar on that front. <clears throat> uh, knowledge, nineteen eighty eight. Oh, okay, I actually listened yeah. to, but I actually listened to these albums back to back, and I was so glad I'd listened to Knowledge seconds because oh, like cleanser, man. <sighs> it was just Beautiful. it was just such a Beautiful. it was just such a palate cleanser. Oh. God, it was so Love good. It. it was it was so good. It was like it was like you tried something that you didn't rate, and then you just bite into this juicy apple, and you're just like, oh, "Thank you, knowledge. Thank you, soulful beats. You know, knowledge. It slaps. It's clean. Like the samples on here are just so great. Don't be afraid, baby. It's just okay. it just it's fire. It's fire. Not it's so fire. Me, I love that. I love that one track, well. bro. <laughs> what are you saying? I said you didn't sing quite as good as me, but it's all right. Uh, no, that. I kept that. I kept that. I kept that. I, I had that. I had that. I kept it. I kept the. I kept the levels. <laughs> <laughs> Vote. <laughs> I'll drop a Twitter poll. Um, <laughs> so yeah, knowledge nineteen eighty eight. One probably the one of the best. Uh, one of the best albums so far of twenty twenty. And uh, I also listened to ADHD, John Lucas, and uh, yeah, I think he's just. I think he suffers from just like. 
meme culture shitting on him. Um, I do, I do wonder why it took him two years and so many, um, like half of the albums basically on uh, in single yeah. form. So I was yeah, kind of just uh, squinting at that. I was like, why did you take that long? Um, but yeah, you know, overall it's a decent album. Um, it's, it's kind of uh, how I. It met expectations. I'll say that for sure. Um, I don't know what people are talking about. Devil's work. That was that was probably one of the best tracks on there. To be honest, I, I rated that highly. Same. Um, yeah, man. That was that was that was good. That was a good. Um, a good track. But yeah, no, the whole album's decent. Um, yeah, I can't really complain about it. Um, you know, just, uh, uh, I just I just honestly feel like that Joiner is one of those people that's just like um, you know just gets shits on just to, for whatever reason. Like, uh, you know, he's not Hobson. You know what I mean? I don't. I don't. <laughs> Um, but I don't know. That's, to, that's, that's for that's for another day, I guess. Fucking Hobson. Conversation. Hobson's just chilling at home right now, just minding his own. He's like, oh, I might check out this podcast, digging in the digit. He's like, oh, <laughs> fuck, not again. Still, everyone's still shit. Uh, uh, you know what? I don't, I don't even know what the deal with is with Hobson either. So you know, what I mean, I just said it just to say it, but that's just me culture <laughs> influencing me again. Uh. Yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, we shall get to the show itself and the topic of this episode, our final uh, Women's History Month celebration slash retrospective. And uh, literally, as, of, as we got off recording the last uh, last episode, we were just trying to think and just like throwing out some names, but it was just like, well, we were going to talk about Lauren Hill at some point, so why don't we just do Lauren Hill? <laughs> so here we are, uh, doing a retrospective on Lauren Hill. So um I just want to say off the bat, um, just to get it out of the way, um, I'm not here for conversations about her tardiness, lateness, whatever you want to call it, as it pertains to her live shows. Um, I'm not letting that besmirch her whole career and her whole, you know, um, I guess, uh, influence and intangibles. Um, I could honestly give a fuck if you guys bought a ticket and and she was late. Um, I'm not, le- <laughs> you know, she was late when I saw her. So and I still en- managed to enjoy myself. So um, I don't really, I don't really see, I don't really see the problem. I understand if it's like you know, a few hours late. I get it. I'd be pissed as well. Um, for me, she was only half an hour late. So I guess I got the best end of the stick in that front. <laughs> but yeah, I'm not letting that. I'm not regardless of that. I'm not letting that. And you guys is you know, memes of her being late, ha <laughs> uh, why would I go to that festival, what's the point of her headline, she's gonna be late, don't care, we're talking about her career, so, but I just wanted to get out of the way just to smooth that over, and uh, yeah, so Ben, you, you can mean, go where you want to go. Well, on that, if, like, I always say, like, Lauren came to Australia with Nas, and I didn't go, because I'm like, I don't want her to be late, like, I don't have an interest in that, so you make a decision, you bought the ticket, you know she's gonna possibly be late, suck yep. it up. It's too yep. late. You don't get the opportunity yep. to complain. <laughs> shut the fuck up. Genuinely, like, go shut re- the go fuck read up. her like twenty minute uh, medium post that she did a couple of years ago. Like, literally. <laughs> so yeah, get over it. Know. So no, yeah. I agree. I agree. So uh, we're gonna go in and well, we're gonna. Go, I want to go chronologically. So I'm gonna talk about like the Fujis. Then I'm gonna talk cool. about Miseducation. <laughs> then I'll talk about uh, MTV Unplugged. Then I will talk about her hiatus. And we will talk a little bit at the end about the production issues around miseducation because I think that's an interesting conversation. I don't actually have an opinion on it. I don't really know, but I'll, I'll let you guys know what the situation is because I think there's a lot of misinformation out there and I just want to like clear the air and like get everything down on wax. Um, but I mean, 
you know, Lauren Hill uh, began in the Fugees. Uh, Praz and Lauren knew each other from high school. They formed a trio with someone who was called Time. Uh, Wyclef then joined. And, oh no, sorry, sorry, Marcy was the trio that they formed. The, the trio was called Time. Marcy was the third person. Then Marcy left and Wyclef joined. And they began recording demos and trying to sign a label deal. And according to Roughhouse CEO, they signed to Roughhouse, uh, Chris, Chris Schwartz, apparently they had auditioned for basically every label before Roughhouse. Roughhouse was like their last throw of the dice. And he said within 30 seconds he knew. He signed them off based off the singing and rapping blend that they were doing and the genre melding that they were doing. And they dropped Blunted on Reality in 1994. Now, I felt that album was a little bit too chaotic and it was a bit of a mess. Yeah. I know, Charlie, you quite like the album. Is that correct? I, I, I like it more than most. I feel like it's worth a listen. Like, and I think there's you know tracks that people can take from. But yeah, overall, as a listen, it's, a, it's, it's, it's messy. Um, but yeah, yeah, I, I feel like it's it's not it's not bad to the point where I'm like you shouldn't listen to it. It's trash. Like, it's, mm. it's, there's gems in there. I will say that. So yeah, it's it's messy. I agree. But yeah, so um, I, I I enjoy it for what it is. Yeah, I felt they were kind of just wearing their influences <coughs> rather than allowing their influences to guide and inform them. I I agree. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's a bad album. I just think it needed a better direction and cohesion. I think they were just trying to work out what their sound was, and then. You know, we couldn't have had the score without Blunted on Reality. And I honestly think there is nothing as good as the score. I, I think it's better than Miseducation by a long way. I I just think, I think Lauren sounds better on this album. Um, Billboard summed it up. They did a retrospective track-by-track track review. And firstly, like, people need to understand, like, how insane this album is. You know, it's sold it sold a ridiculous i think it sold like 11 million copies worldwide you know it had like massive massive singles it was just huge it was truly huge and billboard said by 1996 the world has seen plenty of hip-hop blockbusters some of these were poppy some were gangster some were socially conscious few if any checked all three boxes and none did so more com- none did more so more successfully artistically and commercially than the score and i actually agreed with that i was trying to process that and thinking like who else did something similar to the score you know i thought of tribe called quest but i didn't get a heavy gangster vibe or even a pop vibe from them i thought yeah. of g funk with park dre warren g nate dog with regulate but mm-hmm. that's not poppy. You know, that wasn't no. poppy. They they might have had genuine hits, and some may have even melded those hits into kind of gangster slash socially conscious records, but none of them blended genres the way the Fugees did on the score. And I think we can thank Lauren for that. I've <laughs> I've probably left Charlie like 30 voice messages over the past year where randomly I'm just listening to the score and I'll just I'm like, Charlie, why does she have to do them like that? Why does she have to do them like that? It's not fair. It's not fair because Praz and Wyclef are great artists, but Lauren is just on a whole other level, man. Like, yeah. she just mm-hmm. murks that whole album. Every time she sings, like, a strum in his pain with my fingers, she comes in with that, killing him softly. Like, what mm-hmm. the fuck is that? And then she'll come and spit crazy bars. It's just, she's at the peak of her powers on that. And... I don't know of any album that did what the score did 
the only album I could possibly think of. I asked Charlie this because I don't know if you know of any album that's similar to the score in like scope and genre bending and you know like gangster to to commercial pop. Like the only album I can think is Speaker Box, The Love Below. That's the only album I could think is on this level. Okay. Even then, I can't argue the gangster side too well because you know Big Boy is spitting, but I wouldn't say it's super gangster. You know, mm-hmm. like I'm not, I'm not getting that vibe from it. But what do you think, Charlie? Do you think there's any album like the score that exists? Uh, well, <clears throat> well, using the uh, three tick boxy um, the Billboard post for you, um, commercial, conscious, and gangster. I guess uh, the, the only one I can think of off the top of my head is maybe To Pimp a Butterfly. Um, yeah, I was also, that too. I guess Gucci Messi in that front as well. Um, considering like you know, swim just just going off swimming pools alone, <laughs> alone ticks two boxes. Um, but yeah, no, uh, that's that's just as you off the top of my head. I can't really. Uh, uh, maybe mm, I, I know there's a British album that goes down that kind of those roads, but like I can't, I can't think of any as nuanced. I guess as uh, the score. Um, I, I did, I did, don't don't think I didn't see. I think I didn't hear that you just uh, put the score over Miseducation, right? That was a hot take. Uh, I let yep. you cook. That's a no. <laughs> that's a that's a no, my guy. Fair not letting that, not having that one. But yes. I, I appreciate your argument. Slipped it <laughs> in there. It, but I that's did a no slip for it me. In there. <laughs> that's a big no for me, family. I but, know um, you. Yeah. I knew that it was going to get a rise out of you because yeah. yeah. Uh, my, my my my. I was I was literally um, I was. <laughs> I was, I was looking at my phone while you were talking, and it was just like, this bit of miseducation. I was like, wait, what's this? Wait, is he looking at the score? I was just like, what the fuck? So I was like, I, I, it was, it, the, the statue of limitations was gone, so I was just like, all right, I'm letting him cook, I'm letting him cook. So I, I remember that. But yeah, no, nah, um, that's a no for me. Um, that's a hard disagree. But um, no, no, the score itself, and um, the score itself, I think, is really, I think, generally underrated in terms of just how we talk about, you know, greatest hip-hop albums of all time i feel like objectively it should really be up there um in in the arguments you already said that the fact that they in that time frame covered the free um i guess uh <clears throat> trinities of uh what do you want to call it uh 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 what's the what's the word not not posture um persona persona right Fuck, that was ages. All right, <laughs> persona. Yeah, so the fact that they managed to you know, encapsulate those those personas and, you know, the important ingredient, like I always try and put into, authenticity. It sounds authentic. Like, yeah. <laughs> the the gangster talk sounds authentic. The the conscious talk sounds authentic. Like, the mainstream um, putting on is their energy. Their energy is authentic and that fr- on, on the mainstream front. Um, it's accessible to all. Um, but if you want to get deep, you can get deep if you want. And I think that's what all great albums manage to do. I think that's a common, um, I think that's a common, uh, place in terms of how all the great albums have, um, an important ingredient is the fact that you can, if you want to go deep into it, you can go deep into it. But if you also want to just jam out to it, you can jam out to it. And I can do both with the score. Um, and I don't know if you want to just jump in right into Miseducation, but I can do that with Miseducation as well. Maybe not the whole album, but, uh, definitely for, definitely for most of it. Um, 
so yeah it's it's this the score is highly underrated highly underrated like people you know you should be talking about it in the same veins as you know as the as the reasonable doubts as the doggy styles of that time um you know the chronic 2001 all of those i think i think it's in the same echelon um in terms of its peers um you know aquamanai italians and stuff like that you know it's, it's it's up there for me it's it's generally up there in terms of 90s albums it's definitely up there um it's got it all and yeah can't praise the album enough it's, it's super clean i've got that shit on orange vinyl it's fire but that's oh, it neither here nor there <laughs> that's sick whenever i come to england in the next 50 years i got to check that out that is actually hey man bro corroborate last that log forever <laughs> i fucking hope not because i won't get over there <laughs> Shit, imagine, bro, fuck up. The rest of our lives, we're just going to be at our homes. <laughs> just chilling at home. No. <laughs> be a short life. Um, no, I agree with you. I agree with you. We can jump into miseducation. I just want to talk about quickly what happened when they broke up. Because... Yeah. Um, Set the timeline. Yeah, so so they broke up. What was it? What, 96, 97? And Lauren did an interview in 2000 and with... Uh, I forget who she did it with, but it was a great great interview it was very wide-ranging i'm going to quote it a lot a bit later but she says and the first thing she says in the interview is if i had my way i would have been in the group forever i enjoyed the group atmosphere yeah i thought it was so good to have two guys on stage backing you up now the reason that they broke up according to lauren is that they were heading in different directions commercially sonically and just in general she said that success can illuminate differences Creative differences, spiritual differences, emotional differences. She's, and now I quote, she says, I didn't make a decision to be solo. It just really happened. I intended to be in the group forever until I found myself in circumstances where I felt the inner desire to express myself freely and openly without any constraint, without anybody mm. saying, you can't say that. That's not fly. You can't say that. People won't, dot, dot, dot. You know what I mean? So, you know, the only way I could have done that was in doing a solo release. Now, when we listen to Miseducation, and I'm going to get super deep on Miseducation because I have a theory about it and it's backed up by what Lauren says. Um, maybe, Charlie, you talk about how you feel about that album first and then I'll talk about how I feel about it because I know it's probably maybe your greatest album of all time apart from T-Pab. Um, Yeah, it's definitely top five all time, um, regardless of... Um regardless of genre for me um just on the note of the quote you said um i find that kind of interesting um i think i heard mm. that on dissect as well on the last step on their last episode on the last episode of their mini series uh which uh, it pisses me off by the way the fact that that was a mini series like you like, the one the best the best album that i i feel like by a feet ever done by a female and you do a mini series on it uh, I, need, I need to talk about Cole about that. I need to hit that DMs. Anyway, um, <laughs> so uh, yeah, the, the quote is very interesting. I think it. I think it's something. That, it's something that I've been thinking about uh, in terms of like how people chart uh, their success and also the doors open for them. So like, it, it, you could you could think about it very simply, where it's just like you try and I guess cater. Um, as you're go- as you're going up, right, and in this case, obviously a group of three, right. So you're catering to them, and you're you know you're trying to you're trying to have everybody in equal measure, right. But then you get that you hit that point of success where where you want to keep that you want to keep on that mountain, you want to stay on that mountain top, basically. So in that point, it's your mountain top, right. You, you think you've reached the peak, right. You, you sorted it, 
but then you want to keep on that. And to keep that, you need to obviously trust, I guess, in your own instincts in, and your own, um, I guess, uh, drive. But you're also in a group. So it's just, I, I can imagine, and if, if the other two are having that problem as well, then that's just going to cause friction, isn't it? So I can mm. definitely see how easily it just uh, broke up, to be honest. Um but obviously that that can that, that doesn't happen with every group, uh, but it's, it's something I can understand. Um, but anyway, on to miseducation. Yeah, I feel like um, I mean, just starting off, I'll just say what I always say: like, name an album, <laughs> name an album that has five distinct, and maybe six actually. I was I was thinking about it. Like when you t- when you tested me last time, I was like, and then I went to mm. Wood Dog the other the other a couple of days later and I was like I swear there's a sixth one because it wasn't because I wasn't I didn't I don't ever mention gospel but I mentioned gospel that time so I was like maybe there's six so potentially six just saying um uh, <laughs> if you want to nitpick but yeah I can't think of an album that does that just on a sound level um it's just it's just completely um an all-american mix um and then some as we're talking about reggae as well, which obviously is in American. But anyway, yeah, just on the sound front, it's groundbreaking to me, and I don't think it's ever been done uh, since. Uh, but obviously, the content itself is a ultimate journey in one's, I guess, uh, hunt for self. Um, and obviously, we're going to get to Unplugged in a bit, um, which I've listened to today. Um, all f- hour and 45 minutes of it. I forgot how long it was. Fuck, you know. Uh, but, um, yeah, obviously, that's also a very um, a very uh, real-time kind of a journey. She obviously um, uh, opens up a lot in the interludes on that. But in album form of miseducation, it just, uh, it just adds, it just does that so eloquently. Um, there's vulnerability... But the first track is just like, I'm coming to spit fire at you. And it's just unapologetic in that front. And yeah, it just covers uh, all so many bases on on what it's like to, uh, you know, be a woman, but also be human as well. Um, there's a lot of human life lessons I think we can all take from it. But especially from a female perspective, it's just like a it's really a blueprint in terms of just like, you know, I guess self-discovery and, you know, uh, uh, childbirth, becoming a mother, something I can't obviously uh, think about because, yeah, mm. <laughs> they got they ain't happening. But, um, you know, it's, 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 it, there's, there's depths to it that I just can't even get to. I can't even unlock. And that just adds so much more, that just makes it so much more enticing to me personally. Um, for some people, I can they can consider that as just something you know. If they can't relate, then it's a rap, you know what I mean. But for me, I see the fact that the fact that I can't relate or the fact that I can't empathize with something like Two Zion, the way she, um, I guess, uh, the way she talks about it and the way she packages it um, is just magical to me, and. Uh, Regardless, if I don't get empathy from it, there's a sympathy to it, and there's a just a genuine feeling, and um, 
it's not it's 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 like that with pretty much every song and uh i can't even begin to talk about the uh the uh the the inspirations you know the fact that there's a song called doo-wop in there i don't think people even know what doo-wop is <laughs> um it's a style of music by the way guys very old mm-hmm. style of music but yeah it's go look up but yeah it's, it's just stuff like that um and the and just like the small things there's so many small gems in here just from a lyrical standpoint but also from a sound standpoint in terms of what she used and what she uh tried to get be inspired by or whatever it's all there like all the inspirations are there but it's all packaged in one authentic lauren hill album and to me that is just outstanding it's just, it's just completely outstanding just realization of one's art and one's craft so um yeah putting that putting that very simply in 10 minutes <laughs> that's how i feel about it it's a beautiful album let me get let me get deep because i read what she said about miseducation in this interview and i analyzed the lyrics and i thought very hard about what she was trying to say because i, I agree with you like when i first listened to it it was it was over my head um you know obviously uh i haven't i haven't got children so but i think to zion is one of the most beautiful songs it's so calming it's so beautiful it's so strong you know it's so powerful the way that she turned confusion and discomfort into just power and i love that but when i read this interview she says this this is what sent me down this um this path it's going to get a little bit deep she says every day this is on the title, by the way, of Miseducation Lauren Hill. She says, every day it means something more to me, actually. People automatically thought maybe her teachers didn't teach anything, but that wasn't it. The meaning behind it was really sort of a catch in me, learning that when I thought I was my most wise, was really not wise at all. And when my humility and innermost places that most people wouldn't expect a lesson to come from, that's where I learned so much. I term the phrase miseducation, not because it was a miseducation per se, but just because it was sort of contrary to what the world says is education. This education that came from life and experience and not necessarily all academic, but related to living. Now, the first section of that is describing this concept called the Dunning-Kruger effect. And it's a massive part of anyone's journey in literally anything, life, any skill, Love, fuck, even running hip-hop numbers. What it means is when you know nothing or very little about something, you overestimate your ability in that field by a lot. The more you study something, the more you become aware of how little you knew about it and how little you know about it. Now, it has a very, very, very cool graph, right? And it shows the confidence versus competence. Now, at about 10% competence in a task you actually have more confidence in that task than you ever will as an expert. That's Mm. crazy to me. Like you overestimate your ability so much at 10% competence that the more you learn and you watch the graph, as your competence increases, your confidence just goes way down. And then it starts to increase around 60% competence. But even at an expert level, you will never be as confident as you were at the start. Now. How does this relate to the ed- miseducation of Lauren Hill? Now think about the stage Lauren was at in her career. Okay, the score had just dropped. It has a 90 out of 100 review average. It won the Grammy for best rap album. 
It sold 18 mm-hmm. million copies worldwide, including 6 million in the US. So that was, well, I said 11 million earlier, it was 18 million. It spawned four epic singles that are still classics to this day. Facts. And Lauren was a driving force behind that album. She was 21 years old, bro. 21 years old. When I turned mm. 21, I was crying in the bathroom at the restaurant because I was just directionless in life. This woman had everything at 21. I think the key word in what she said was humility. The success of the Fugees and the decision to go out on her own could be explained by a huge portion of confidence and the lack mm. of material since Miseducation can be seen as the Dunning-Kruger effect. Like if you listen to the lyrics on Miseducation, okay, she says, you know, she says right at the start, the very first track, it's funny how money can change a situation. Miscommunication yep. leads to complication. My emancipation doesn't fit your equation. I was on the humble. You're on every station. That's the first track, man. And then yep. as, like, I mean, that's confidence, okay? That is confidence yep. right off rip. But as the album progresses, she deconstructs that confidence the more that the album continues. Like, if you listen to To Zion... It's Lauren looking inside and finding humility and understanding of her purpose. She says, Superstar sounds... Uh, I don't know if this is on Two Zion. It might be on another song. But she says, Superstar sounds like an internal... Oh, sorry. This is Superstar. I'm, I'm reading. I'm reading the quote. This is Superstar. Yep. Now tell me your philosophy on exactly what an artist should be. Should they be someone with prosperity and no concept of reality? Now, who do you know without any flaws that lives above the spiritual laws and does anything they feel just because there's always someone there who will applaud. Now, that is so different from the start of the album. It's so different. It's like, I was on the humble you on every station. My emancipation don't fit your equation. It's like she was so confident and now she's just like, she's more confused. And that was a meditation on fame at the age of 23. Most artists at the age of 23 are putting the fucking pedal to the floor and just going straight to excess. <laughs> you know, they're going crazy. And I sense a lot of confusion on this album. You know, while Two Zion is a really triumphant track, it has within it a lot of doubt. The songs about love, especially I Used to Love Him, they sound almost like desires that she's expressing rather than emotions that she's feeling. The confidence that she feels on that song is then totally absent on when it hurts so bad. Like, it's just, a, it's a mishmash, man. Like, you know, it's just she's trying to work out where the fuck she stands in the world. Like, on when it hurts so bad, she says, I love the young man, and if you've ever been in love, then you'd understand that what you want might make you cry, what you need might pass you by. You know, that's not confidence. That's not like, that's not me saying I'm a bad bitch and I'm going to fuck everyone else, man. I'm doing my shit. I'm me, you know, I'm taking, that's, that's real shit at 23. And I don't think that sounds like a PSA. It sounds like self-reassurance or even wallowing in a sad situation, Mm. you know? It's like everything is, everything feels like that to me as well. She says, what will, what, what is meant to be will be change comes eventually. She sounds to me like she's really willing herself through a period of difficulty, and I adore that because I think it fits the theme of miseducation so well. And the final track is it, man, miseducation. She's trying to say, as you educate yourself, you become aware of how little you know. It's a paradox. You gain more knowledge to lose the knowledge you thought you had. 
And she says, deep in my heart, the answer, it was in me. And I made up my own mind to define my own destiny. And that's not a final statement. Okay, that's not, that's not, that, that, what I'm trying to say is that's not, she hasn't gone through this huge journey on miseducation to come to, oh, now I know how I'm going to live my life. She's actually mm. trying to work out all the chaos that's fucking around and, and going crazy. And when she finally gets to this final track, that's the first statement. That's a promise or, or the beginning of a path. And a very confusing and barren path for Lauren over the next 22 years, which we'll speak of. But like, bro, this album is fucking deep as shit for a 23-year-old. <laughs> that's deep, yeah, man. Yeah. Holy yeah. fucking shit. They need to yeah. do a full dissect on this shit because she gave us the clues in that interview and the, the more i read the lyrics and even then i probably sounded confusing to you listening because it's confusing it's deep it's hard to hard to boil down into a small like five ten minute review it's really difficult but um yeah. this album is so deep so deep yeah I, I i totally forgot to account for age at the moment like, it's just I'm 23. I don't have a miseducation in my head right now. Does <laughs> just being real on, on that. You know, what I mean, it's just it's just a level that I can't um, fathom. But it's it's interesting because like we we hear that stuff and we class that as you know a, a level of a level of emotional intelligence that I don't really I don't have. I don't think right. But. You know, she's 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 not saying that. Like she she's not saying that she's intelligent in that sense. It's just like she just knows what she she's acknowledging the problems. And I feel like that's something that a lot of eyes don't do, especially the ones that, you know, sing or rap about being vulnerable and stuff like that. But they don't but then you see them on social media and they're just like, you know, in the club or whatever. It's just like it that and that's in comparison seems so inauthentic to me and then you know i listen to this and it's just like and obviously you're uh listing off like some of the quotes that she gave at that time it's just like it, you know she's not bullshit <laughs> she's not bullshit like it's so clear that you know oh, she's yeah. not it's, it's nothing not everything's like perfect and you know um green hills and rainbows and you know we can swiftly segue into unplugged because that is just a an even more visceral uh, and more just in your face way of just saying, I have problems. I am not perfect. Like it's basically, that's basically her talking for, well, not talking for two hours, but um, talking and, you know, singing and playing a guitar for an hour, uh, over an hour and a half. And, you know, she has some proclamations in there, but, you know, during the interludes, especially when she's just talking, you know, she's just, saying what's on her mind and it's just like real shit that we can all relate to um and i think that's kind of i don't i don't know there's two there's two sides of people in the world isn't it they can't they ever they ever see unplugged as an album or they don't see it as an album <laughs> but you know regardless of what you think like it's definitely worth listening to simply just as a simply as a, just like a snapshot of where she's at, at that point because i feel like you know we can people can all that all that stuff with miseducation you know that can really go over your head and i didn't even talk about the uh the classroom skits that were, that were peppered throughout the album which have which which can be broken down into just how the questions that the teacher asks and it's just like yeah good questions i need to think about that um just that alone is worth a conversation but we'll we'll, we'll, we'll we've moved on so um but yeah 
Unplugged just gives that just gives that extra layer and obviously review wise it didn't do well at the time for whatever reason um but it's just interesting isn't it like uh they don't they don't they they just classed it as like either it's uh this piece of music is blah 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 but i'm wondering if any of them that wrote those reviews back in the day at that time actually you know listened to what she was talking about <laughs> you know what i mean and realizing that hmm this is some real shit you know regardless if you like the her voice over an acoustic guitar like honestly i can give a fuck i'm more into the interludes myself personally as i listen to it but that's just me um but yeah, I want to know what your uh, views are on that particular uh, album because um, I don't really think people talk about that piece of work as anything apart from just her playing some guitar a bit. Yeah, I mean... Do you find anything first... out of it? Do you get anything out of it? I'll ask that. I get a lot. I, I learn a lot from it. I learn a lot about Lauren and about what happened over the next 22 years, you know, or the next, sorry, 18 years because it came out in 02. I, I don't really get a lot musically out of it i think it's quite there are a lot of demos i think they're just demos and i really love her lyrics on the album i think they're quite deep and you know people were critical of the fact that it's just lauren up there with a guitar and kind of crooning away and wasn't that the point of unplugged though (laughs) i mean the problem with unplugged is it goes half and half like that is essentially the ethos of Unplugged. it was tiny disc for tiny disc wasn't it (laughs) Yeah, yeah, but it was more. It was a grander scale than Tiny Desk. Tiny Desk right. is is what MTV Unplugged really was meant to be. But if you go right. back in MTV Unplugged history and you look at um, the Nirvana one, that changed the the landscape on MTV Unplugged completely because they just fucking slayed it, and everyone was like, "Oh shit, we're gonna have to like step our game up." And so you know, Jay Z did one in '01, I think 2000, and it was. It wasn't unplugged. Like, I don't know how it was unplugged. Like, yes, they, it was a band, but yeah. like, you know, you know what I'm trying to say? It's like, yes, it's meant to be just someone on stage with a guitar or Jay-Z on stage sitting on a chair and just rapping to you, but it turns into a big full production. And I think that's why people struggled with it because they weren't, they were so confused. You come from the score to miseducation, these huge blockbuster records with massive singles and you know she's just on stage and it's entirely new content i think people struggled with that fact um to be honest to me it really exemplifies the purity of her creative spirit she doesn't try to impress anyone she doesn't try to tear the stage down like nirvana did or jay-z did uh she gets up there and just delivers from her soul. And, you know, sometimes the songs do drag a little bit or maybe the concepts aren't fully realized. Yeah. Maybe sometimes the songwriting isn't even that strong. But to, be, to me, she carried it with her soul. I, I love the juxtaposition of Lauren as she kind of meanders through her spiritual musings. This, the, I guess this is why people struggle with it. This is This is why, because... She's meandering through her spiritual musings. She's fully embracing her creative spirit. And then there's this basically renter crowd that gives fucking applause. <laughs> and it sounds like an applause track for a sitcom. You know, it's just, it's really out of place. It's like, it doesn't sound right. You know, and to me, I really feel like that that image that I have in my head of Lauren up there 
not dressed up in crazy clothes. Like she's just wearing regular clothes with a freaking guitar mm. versus like there was probably cameras everywhere. There were record executives everywhere. There were mm. probably, you know, influences in the crowd. You know, I've been asked to be in crowds of stuff for stuff like that. It's so nasty. It's nasty. And then Lauren's just up there and you just you look at the complete separation between Lauren and creativity and the music industry. And yeah. that really, to me, explained her 18-year absence. I felt like she just got up there and did that and she was like, man, I'm going to dip because that's fucked. And she said this about, you know, this is what's crazy. She actually said this in the interview just before. I'll transition. So is it all right if I transition into her hiatus now? Is that okay? Uh, yeah, yeah, go for it. I'll, 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 the only thing I wanted to say was, uh, like, uh, if she did that now, you'd not be listening. Just saying. But anyway, continue. Oh, fuck yeah. And I think <laughs> it would be received better now. And I don't even think if it was anyone else. Like, I think, I think there is now a huge lane for that now, you know? Like, Janae Iko yeah. is still in the top 10 in the last three weeks in on Billboard 200. That album is... Good shout. I'm not... I'm not saying that's Lauren's DNA yeah. in that album, but I'm I'm like that's similar lane to what Lauren was trying to do back then. It's like how yes. open, honest, yeah, yeah. They weren't ready for it. They just weren't ready for it. And now it's so much, yeah. It's 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 much more normalized and and acceptable. But um, yeah. So she says this in the interview. It's quite a long quote, but this is the year 2000. She says this. Okay, so this is like before she went on hi- her hiatus. The interviewer asks if the miseducation was a feeling, and this is how she responds. She says, I don't know if I really want to continue with that thought, and I'll tell you why. Every time that God navigates my ship, there's nothing cerebral going on. There's very little thought. It's almost as if I have the directions. Every time I try to do it myself, I'm conjuring up my own concoction and trying. It's a little more difficult to do it that way because it takes a lot of thought and it takes a lot of energy. But when I'm led, it's kind of like it's all there and it's clear. These are your orders. Just go forth and carry them out. So I was going to say that this album gets to be what I think, but I don't know. Who knows? Who knows what that will be? Because I think that what I've consciously decided to do was be patient and wait for those instructions again, as opposed to the instructions from the record company. Unfortunately, I can't fulfill their needs. I can't because it's devoid of all feeling. Do you know what I mean? I have to make sure that what I create, I never want to condescend. There are a lot of people who condescend to the audience. They just think they'll like anything. Just throw a beat on it and put your voice on it. But if it doesn't move me, then I don't think it's worthy enough to put out there and move someone else. Do you know what I mean? It has to be something that is personally, is something that I need personally. That's my barometer for whether or not it's good for the people. Not just anything. Just make a beat. It's hot. Throw it out there. I can't use that barometer. That doesn't work with me. Hmm. That was in the year 2000. So, man, we already know what happened after after MTV Unplugged, which was in 02, I think. It was 02. Yeah. So, since then, she's dropped 13 original songs, which is 0.8 a year, six covers, one song update, one remix, which was nice for what by Drake. I think she did that live. And she did five guest spots, which is 0.3 a year. And she's delivered 8,435 words, which is only 469 a year. We haven't heard a new project from her since 02. 
and her last single was Feeling Good in 2015. So, I mean, that quote is just essential. It's like Mm. she's waiting for directions or she's waiting for the feeling or she's waiting to move off that energy and it's not forthcoming for her. And so she says, I'm not going to force it. And I think that perfectly explains MTV Unplugged. I think that maybe scared the shit out of her. She went up there and tried to create from the soul and tried to, and people didn't tear it down. I'm not saying they tore it down, but it was not as well received. Like that's, that's a challenging thing. That's a really challenging thing. When you've had as much success as she has, you, I guess you get the feeling that people are with you. People are along for the ride. You know, people have bought into you, not the music so much as, this is what Lauren is doing now. I fuck with Lauren. That means I'm going to fuck with just about everything she does as long as it's pure from the from the soul. And then she dropped that and people didn't fuck with it as much. And that, that's got to be a little bit confusing, especially for someone who is that young, you know? And I think that has really contributed to her hiatus. Yeah, I think, um, I think, there's, I think there's always a moment for... Um, artists and not just in music but I guess in many other forms where if they gain that you know that popularity or that um that praise I'll say uh, instead uh, so early on and then you're given and then you do something that you know I'm not sure she feels like it was the best work or whatever but clearly just the the experiment was you know let me just bear my soul see what happens basically um and for people to respond in a lukewarm way, you know, that I think I feel like maybe nearly every artist has that or they don't do it because of that fear. They have that mm. fear instilled to not bear every single part of them simply because what if people think is doo-doo. But they obviously consider it great because they put their whole soul on it. You know what I mean? Some artists do that, some artists don't. And, you know, some artists succeed, and when they do, some artists succeed in that, some artists don't succeed in that. Um, it's just how it is. It's a roll of the dice. And I guess it's trust either, I don't know whether it's trust in yourself or trust in the people they listen to or your audience. I'm not really sure. Um, I guess that, uh, that, that fluctuates depending on who you are. But I completely understand in terms of just why why not <laughs> drop an album ever again or what, or whatever or just go on this hiatus because you know it's this it, it must have been something that just is worthy of thought and uh you know maybe people would have different responses you know maybe it would just be people would take that as a challenge you know and just go like okay i see i see where you're coming from um, let me go back in the lab and see what happens. But obviously, she doesn't. She's built like that, which is fine. Um, my thought in terms of just hiatus in overall is just like one of, uh, and we also had this conversation, you know, um, around this time <laughs> nearly last year. Um, uh, one of the few few episodes, the unicorn episode. I think it's episode six. Um, yeah, we had, we had this conversation where it's just like you know do we it's not it's not the question of do we want another project right it's, it's not a question of that it's it's more of it's more it's more of a question of um what do they need or do they even need this kind of thing or um well yeah probably one of those two to be honest like do they need it you know do, do they need it and you know in this case the answer is no and you know 
it's completely fine on that front. I on a on a minor side note, I was uh, I was I was on Twitter recently, and it was well not recently, it was actually a few months ago. But um, you know, people were bitching about you know Rihanna dropped the album, and I was just like, you guys got ten years worth of her music, <laughs> and you're yeah. still like licking your lips like a fucking hyena. Like it's just chill out. You got so much material there. You are good. You know what I mean? It's just, it's just it, I hate that side of fandom where it's just like you know demand, demand, demand. It's like it's not they're not machines. And um, in this case, I guess uh, Lauren is just one of those people that is far, the, one of the most far from being a machine and just uh, you know trying to um, get get something out every month or every or, every, or at least one project every year because there are a lot of artists that try and do that and. <clears throat> on that front it's fine you know i completely i completely get it it's it's cool on every side but for her it's a natural thing um and i completely understand that i probably you know um i'm probably in the middle in terms of how i like to do things um i don't like to do stuff just for the machine of it um i like to have a reason to it but you know it's it's it's, it's how she's built and uh, i completely and, and you know it's not like, you know, Sade, right, where where we don't know what the fuck she's thinking. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm. It's like, we have material here. You know, we have material. She basically, you know, in some ways predicted her own future, <laughs> like two years ahead of time. Like, she, she, she was already thinking about that kind of um, mindset already. So, you know, it's not like we, it's not like she didn't tell us um, beforehand. So... You know, I can't, I can't, there's no, there's no place I can be angry about it. So, um, and you know, she still shows her face. She still shows, like I said. So, you know, it's not the worst, it's, she's not the worst, um, I guess, um, I don't want to say the worst. I don't, I don't know why I said that word. But yeah, it's not, it's not like the worst scenario we can have as a music fan. So, you know, I can't, I can't really complain. So, um, you know, it's completely justified. I agree. I agree. I don't think it should be forced. And I don't personally have a problem with her not dropping music you know i want her to feel it and you know it's just if it's never going to come it's never going to it doesn't sound like it will now but uh i'm okay with that i'm i'm okay with that um i just want to talk quickly about her producing her first album because yeah as i said there's a lot of uh i wouldn't say misinformation but i think maybe people don't really know what happened um now she said in that interview you need an army, you need a force. You know what I mean? No man is an island. So I refuse to take all the praise for that because they were talented musicians, they were talented engineers, they were talented production assistants who really, really were there. And if I had an idea, I was able to express it and made them stay and work diligently until it was expressed. I appreciate the fact that if there's a will, there's a way. Now, the whole situation is, it actually began in 1998. So it blew up recently, but it was all settled in, in back then. Um, it was before it won the Grammy for Best Album. And the production company or, or, or collective, New Arc, sued Lauren and her label, asking for a share of songwriting production credits on 13 of the songs. They also wanted a share of the profits. Lauren came out and said that the suit was without merit whatsoever and that she felt betrayed by New Arc. Now, she's listed, remember this, as the sole producer, writer, and arranger on the album when it drops. New Arc members pick up additional credits, like additional production, additional music contribution, but that's all. 
Uh, they settled out of court allegedly for $5 million. And it was basically done and dusted until Robert Glasper brought it back up in 2018, claiming that Lauren stole his friend's music. And Lauren went back on the front foot, saying that they were her songs. Uh, she should have been more clear as to what the roles of those producers and songwriters were. But her songs, her vision, her music. Some people speculate that Lauren doesn't play some of those songs live, or if she does, she reworks them heavily uh, because she doesn't want to incur more legal issues. But uh, I don't, I don't know what to think about this. Like, what do you think about this, child? I just don't know how to how to process this, to be honest. I mean, um, I'm definitely not the, I'm definitely not uh, equipped to um, have a have a you know definite definitive say on uh, whether she jacked whatever or not or jacked credit or just um didn't give enough credit um that's obviously up to the parties themselves um and i do feel like this is very i guess uh shrouded and pretty much hearsay um not to get not to get in my legal bag which doesn't exist <laughs> but you know um it's non-existent <laughs> shit i just know what hearsay is um um <laughs> You know, because it's just that, like, you just have to, I I can't really have much of an opinion about it. Um, yeah, I mean, I do, like, you know, you know, it's obvious to understand, it's obvious to understand both sides here. Like, I don't want to be, if I did something, I want to be credited for it, like, correctly. Like, it's, it's clearly, it's clearly just common sense. If I did keys on this track, then I want to be on that production credit of keys, on this song, you know, what I mean, it's just, it's just how it is, but, like, you, like, you know, I think I said this, um, I said this at some point on, on Wax, I don't know if it was the Unicorn episode or not, but, um, you know, look, go look at the ages of them, <laughs> like, uh, at that time, not just, not just Lauren, but for the rest of them, like, they were all mad young, and clearly, the fact that they were called a collective, you know, and not an organization. By that, by that word alone, the fact that they label themselves a collective says to me that, yeah, says to me that they weren't, you know, uh, in, in intellectually inclined to ha- to know every side of the music business and how credit works and you know how all that stuff works in the background. So, you know, in that case, I just I guess it's you have to chalk it up as it is how it is. Um, but with that said, I don't want to, uh, you know, devalue people's opinion or devalue people's uh, assertions on, on, on how they, how they felt they got done by. Um, but yeah, I think I, I personally would just, uh, chalk you up to, um, young, dumb kind of thing. And, you know, and I think, like I said previously, when I said, when I said something of this nature, when talking about this, it's like, they were clearly focused on the art, and if I want to be focused on one of the two, whether it's the art or the background shit, I want to be focused on the art. So, you know, it's um, uh, uh, it's the lesser of two evils on that front. Um, but yeah, I do understand the credit is just necessary, and I know you have your gripes, um, on that on that front, especially when it pertains to social media, which is obviously more of a wild wild west than uh, the music industry is. Um, but you know, 
like I said, it is what it is, I guess, and especially in this case, like Robert Glasper bringing it up like 16 years later. It's like a yeah, bit, no. bit late on that, fam, but yeah, <laughs> but yeah, right on time, apparently, I guess. Yeah, that's not it. I mean, it's, it's settled out of court, it's settled wherever, it's settled $5 million, and who knows? Like, I actually went back and just had a look at the track listing. Um, there are two other producers listed Che Guevara and Vada Nobles, and a couple of right songwriters. Um, but I mean, like, who knows? I mean, the thing that I always think is that that album is not. People aren't saying that's a that's a classic album just because Lauren produced the whole thing. You know, that's you know, I tweeted about Russ being the only rapper in history to go platinum on an album that has nothing else. He arranges it, he mixes it, he produces it, he provides all the vocals. He he does literally everything, and that's 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 its claim to fame. That album. You know, but that's not this album's claim to fame. So, you know, I, I I agree with you, Charlie. I don't think there's much we can we can gather from that. We we don't know the situation. I don't think it detracts, in my personal opinion, doesn't detract from the album at all. I still think it's a brilliant album. It doesn't bother me that much. Yeah, for sure. Um, and that's just a final word on just uh, Lauren herself. I feel like um, she's really a. Um, I guess a talisman and kind of like a, a symbol for um, artistic integrity and also um, giving a different definition as to, you know, why do something, like why do art, you know, and just uh, having that existential conversation with yourself. Because um, the first thing that... The first person that sees your work is yourself, you know what I mean? And I personally don't write my stuff, whether it's screenplays or articles, you know? I don't write it because I want people to read it. That's a weird way of saying it, but yeah, you know, it's it's not it's not for it's it's for you guys to consume if you want to. But I'm writing it because I just want to have my imprint in in some fashion to myself right um and to also i guess document why what i'm into and what i have been into and what i'm you know and, and stuff like that uh not to get existential but yeah and uh, i think lauren is a great example of just like you don't have to you don't you don't have to go you know down the route of just you know, creating for the sake of creating, which I feel like there are plenty of plenty of artists that do it just because they have a deal. You know, you have a four album deal. <sighs> but I've already, but and some and some people, you know, I've heard many artists say like when they do their first album, um, they 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 think of that as like you know, the past however many years they've been alive up to that point. You know, they put their whole life in that particular work and then comes the second and third and fourth and you're like, what the fuck do I do now? You know what I mean? And yeah. on that front, I completely understand, you know, it's just, it's, you know, if, you, if you're putting your whole life into one album, then like, she, I feel like she did in that point, considering the fact she was only 21, you know, that's 20, that's 21 years of life put into one album. And, um, you know, like I like, <laughs> like I said that uh, uh, half prediction last year was like, oh, maybe she'll drop now because it's been twenty years. Um, obviously, that didn't work, but um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's just it's 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 just how it is, and uh, you know, I don't feel like 
any artist in a perfect world should be inclined or pushed in any way to um, create just because they have, you know, a deal with this person to do four of these things. Yeah. Like, yeah. if you want, if you have a story to tell, then you have a story to tell. And you, and even even before we get to that, you have a choice to either tell it or not. <laughs> you can you can have it, you can keep it by yourself if you want to. Um, but yeah, I feel I feel like it's just a she brings the conversation to like, do you even want to listen to your art or do you do you even want to consume your art? A lot of people start that conversation of do people want to listen to this? Do people want to watch this? That shouldn't yeah. be that shouldn't be the first question. The first question is do you, the person creating your art, want to consume this or even just to document this? Do you even want to document this art right now? And that's the question that should be asked out of every artist, um, I think, first thing. And then if you want to do that, then you ask yourself, like, who am I doing this? Who am I giving this to? Kind of thing. So um yeah, she poses just in her essence, um, a lot of questions that a lot of eyes need to answer, um, and also just be a you know, in general, just a beacon to um um I guess uh black women and black motherhood and uh all of that uh, on the side. So, you know, and there's also obviously many, many other layers to get into, but uh, <laughs> we only have an hour show. <laughs> wow, that was very well said. That was a great yeah. I can't add to that. I can't add to that. Well said. Well said. Okay. Appreciate that. So we'll jump into a night and note. Um, and that's all yours, to be honest, Ben. Go with I know where you're going, but yeah, it's all yours. Unleash. Well, it's, a, it's a great segue into what I'm about to say because yeah. I'm going to start lighting up some outlets. I'm going to start. Let me, let me tell a story. Let me tell a story about hip-hop numbers. So Wait, let me get a lighter. Let's began. go Lil Wayne on this. <laughs> Yeah, so when I, when I started Hip Hop Numbers, obviously, you're quantifying an art form. So a lot of people were very critical. Uh, there were even some outlets who were attempting to not take me down or blackball me, but, you know, make me look a bit silly. And I've endured a lot as Hip Hop Numbers. I've endured a lot of questions. I've endured a lot of uh, journalists not fucking with me. Um, which is fine, man. You don't have to engage with the art. I wouldn't, I wouldn't tear it down. But hey, you don't have to. But what I see now from major outlets is just nasty. I see it all the time. If you go onto Double XL's feed, Twitter feed, what they've discovered, and and I discovered this myself. Like everyone is stealing from everyone else. Okay, firstly you have to realize that this is so opposite of what Lauren preaches. It's the exact opposite. It's like if you go onto Double XL's feed. <clears throat> They discovered, as I discovered, they discovered from me that when you repost someone's video, you get a shitload of engagement, a shitload, okay? But I was like, man, you can't do that all the time. People don't want to, it's like Instagram. People don't want to see this shit on their timeline every day. No, XXL was like, yeah, yeah, we'll do it all the time. We'll do it every fucking day. So the last one, two, how many tweets today? Three, four, four tweets today out of seven are just videos. That's actually a drop. On what they normally do. Now, the other tweets are things like Bad Barbie says Billie Eilish won't respond to her. I guess that's what happens when bitches get famous. Bro, what the fuck is this? I used to buy Double XL when I was a kid. They taught me shit. I don't give a fuck about this shit. 
what is this garbage, man? I don't understand. It's like there are all these nasty accounts out here. And, and the reason I'm upset, okay, is because it is journalists who have taken aim at hip-hop numbers and said that this is not the way that you should be interacting with the art form. This is not the way. You can't quantify art. You can't do this. My response is always, okay, you don't like it, don't engage with it. But the the lyrics are there. You can go and listen to the lyrics. I am just showing you the patterns in the lyrics. I didn't create the lyrics. I didn't even write them down. Genius did that. I'm just looking for the patterns in the lyrics. It's not quantifying an art form. You can fucking listen to it yourself. This is the thing that what you just said, Charlie, with regard to Lauren Hill. It's like, I thought, what would I want to read? What would I be interested in? And when I listened to music, I was like, man, this is this artist says this a lot, or this artist is not saying this as much as he did on his last album. You know, I started like looking for these patterns and I was like, well, someone, you know, these are all subjective things. Let's make it objective. So I understand if you don't like it, but I fucking hate it when you criticize it and like try to drag it down and say that it's not... It's not journalism or it's not art or it's it's disrespectful. It's like, bro, you worked for Pitchfork. You can't say shit to me. You wrote you write reviews. You write one listen reviews. I don't like that, man. You can't come in here and write a one listen review and then shit on my account. That's BS. And I'll tell you, there's some nasty shit going on behind closed doors. I'm not gonna drag people, I'm not gonna pull people into this. But I've been in conversations with people from record labels and I've been told that if I tweet certain things, it will reflect well upon whatever. Like, you know, I'll get free shit, I'll get money or I'll get retweets or I'll get a boost. You know, record labels are nasty, okay? They're, you know, they're, they're record label. We know what record labels are like. Then I see, this is the worst thing, man. I see people who are like independent, super independent, they're tweeting out the shit that I fucking was told to tweet out. And I'm sitting here like, you. what the fuck is this? Like, my whole point is, everything you're reading right now, there's no independence out there. Okay, if you're tapped into Genius, XXL, I'm not going to call anyone else out. Genie, we already know Genius. We already know Genius has uh, what they are. But basically, any major outlet, and Charlie used the word outlet before... Bro, it's it's nasty. There's there's behind closed doors deals going down. There's reasons why they're posting certain things, and a lot of it's just so cookie cutter and boring. Like Double XL post Kid Cudi's greatest song is dot 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 dot. Shut the fuck up. I tweeted this morning about how many times Kid Cudi hums in his entire career. That shit took me two months to get that statistic. That is real shit. I'm talking my own shit here because no one else like people do it. My followers do it. My followers know what the fuck is up. They know that the content I'm providing is good. They know that when I when I go and find uh, an album uh, anniversary, I'm not going to say, oh, Beanie Siegel's The Bee Coming dropped today. Uh, what's your favorite track? No, I'm going to tell you like some wild statistics that you never knew about it. You know, Wiz, pa- Wiz Khalifa's Rolling Paper turned nine today. And I hit you with his entire commercial statistics. The dude has 14.1 billion YouTube views. He has 63 million RIA certifications. I didn't just tweet out Wiz Khalifa, Rolling Papers Turns 9 today. Great album. Done. Like, I just hate that shit, man. And I, I, I'm seeing it all the time. And it's I've never expressed on this podcast how many times my account has been like attacked 
by people within the industry, within the journalism industry. And I hate it, man. I've never done it. It's happened so many times. It doesn't happen as often anymore because all those people blocked me. Because every time they came at me, I came the fuck back at them. And I usually made them look fucking stupid because they think that I'm just some idiot. They think I'm some 19-year-old kid sitting in my room who's just making these numbers up or who's not putting the effort in. Bro, I was at Genius for four years. I wrote 12,000 annotations. I have severe OCD. That's not a joke. Okay, I am going to outwork you. I'm going to outthink you. And if you start outworking me, my OCD will ensure that I outwork you. I'm just, I'm sorry. And if my knowledge is lacking somewhere, then it won't be within a week. I guarantee that. So that's why these people have all blocked me because they had a crack at me and they lost or at least it was even and they thought that they could take it down. I I hate that, man. It just pisses me off so much. And I know this is what it's like. I know this is just the way it is when you ascend to a certain level of popularity. I understand that this is going to happen, but I also don't think that you should just not, you should just accept it and take it. I think you're allowed to talk about it. I think you're allowed, you know, rappers talk about it all the time. I, I think you're allowed to vent your frustration that, you know, these, these people who are attacking you are writing for outlets that are just doing way worse shit than what you're doing. And then they're kind of up on their high horse. Um, and I, I don't think there's an issue with that. And and that's what I'm just getting my shit off right now. I love hip hop numbers. I think it's a great account. I think it's cool statistics. Um, I'm a, I agree. Like Charlie said earlier, we were talking about the algorithm and how, you know, double XL is using it right now. And he's like, it's funny that you're criticizing it, but at the same time, you understand it and you you, you pander to it as well. And that's 100% correct, man. I do pander to it. And I know what my audience likes and what they don't like. And I tailor my content towards that. But I still feel like you have to have some integrity when you're doing that. And the integrity comes from the hard work and the effort you put in. And if you're just tweeting out just like one one sentence and you've... It's just... It's nasty. It's nasty. I don't like it, bro. It's lazy. It's lazy. And what are you doing? What are you? How are you contributing to the art? How are you contributing to the culture? How are you... In, like what what are you doing for the knowledge base it's great to have discussion you know i love discussion it's really cool but then if you go into the discussion under some of my tweets bro that shit is nasty as well like i tweeted i tweet out about like kendrick lamar being you know i collated everyone's votes there's 687 comments on uh the best rapper of all time bro half of it is just ridiculous so what is i don't know what is that even doing I don't know. It's just messy. So, yeah, fuck everyone else. Hip Hop Numbers is great. Hip Hop Numbers is my favorite fucking account on Twitter. Okay? And there's a lot of other people's favorite accounts on Twitter. And I appreciate that. Thank you. And I work really, really fucking hard to get it to this level. And I deserve it. So if you're trying to take it down, fuck yes. Come at me. I've been on fucking podcasts with people trying to take me down. An hour-long podcast. It didn't work. It never works. Okay? I'm too smart. I'm too good. I really, really wish you would have a crack at me. Don't do all this little sneaky quote tweet shit because you know I don't get the notification of a quote tweet. You know how many notifications I get in a minute? I get 200 notifications a minute. I'm not going to see your little quote tweet. Reply to me. DM me. Get me on Instagram. If you want to have a crack, let's fucking do it.
I'm in for it, man. I'm up for it. I'm happy because I will win. And that's it. Unloaded the clip on them, boy. Fucking hell. Fuck them. <laughs> Fuck them all. Fuck them all. Clip I'm over unloaded. it. I'm so over it, man. You can't sit in a glass house and throw rocks at me. Bro, your entire house is just going to crumble around you if anyone... Like, ah, uh, shut the fuck up. Leave me alone. Ah, uh, anyway. But I say leave me alone, but I don't want you to. I want you... I don't want, I don't want the sneaky shit. I don't want the sneak disses. You know, I know people that don't like the account. And I've heard about people. And people have come to me and said, I work for this outlet. And, and this outlet doesn't like you. I'm like, well, why the fuck didn't they tell me? Why don't they talk about it? Why do they just do sneaky shit? Like, oh, no, no, they're not going to do it. Well, just fucking have a crack, man. Come on, let's go at it. I'll go at you for my personal account. I don't care. We don't have to do it on hip-hop numbers. I'll go on, my, I'll go on John Lemon and talk about that shit. I'm happy. I, we don't have to get fan bases involved. I, I'm not, I'm humble in that sense. But yeah. Mm. Um, a couple things I got out of that. Um, I feel like as a moderately conservative hip-hop fan, um, I'd like to say, uh, yours is, your, your, your way of doing things is probably like, it's, it's not, it's not the number one problem. <laughs> it's not the number one problem when it comes to, uh, uh, music writing or music journalism or however you want to slice it. Um, in one fashion, yours is just data, just a form of data journalism. So, you know, that's kind of just, you know, affirmed in its, in one sense. Um, I feel like there's a, uh, um, what was the word? What was that? What was the word? There was, there was a particular word I had in my mind, but uh, yeah, I, I, overall, I, I, I understand where, you, where you're coming from, and uh, I think it's justified. Uh, I don't, I don't really. I also feel like actually, now I remember. Uh, I feel like there's a not to gas you up, but like there's a level of. I think there's a level of jealousy to some of those uh, outlets simply because they didn't. Like you know, I feel like this is something that people could do, and I think you said that to me anyway. Like people can do this themselves. You know what I mean? Just count count words and, you know, qualify them, la-da-da-da-da. You know, anyone could do that, but nobody, ha- nobody has, apart from you. So I feel like there's a level of, like, damn, why didn't I do that first kind of thing, uh, kind of kind of feeling towards them. Um, we don't, I don't know for sure, but it's just an inkling I have. But, yeah, you know, you know, did a clip on them. I don't really have much else. So it's cool. The reason I sound emotional is because I'm hurt. I'm genuinely hurt. Like, I grew up with these people. I used to work with these people. I wrote with these people. And if you're listening to this and you're from Central Source, this is not about you at all, okay? This is not about people I still interact with now, okay, in DMs and, and journalists that I know now. It's not about you at all. But I am hurt because, you know, I don't understand. Like, maybe it is jealousy or hate. I, I don't really understand it. Is it frustration that this account has 125,000 followers you know, yes, you can do a lot of what I do quite easily, but a lot of it you can't. Like, you know, you have to you have to have that knowledge base and you have to have you have to understand how to read lyrics and stuff like that. You can learn it. You can definitely learn it. But it's it's hurt from me, it's emotion because it's upsetting to me. Like these are the people I grew up reading and these are the these are the outlets that I grew up idolizing. And then to hear that like no one from that outlet fucks with you or 
you know, to read the little quote tweets and the little passive aggressive stuff or to hear that they're in their Slack talking shit about you every day. It's like, bro, what the fuck, man? That's, that's right. Like it hurts. It hurts. And so I don't normally attack when I'm hurt, but I don't, I haven't, you know, this has been happening for two years and this is probably the first time I've come in here and really let loose because it's just built up to this point. I'm in quarantine. I'm in isolation. I'm lonely. Uh, I'm angry. Like, you know, there's a lot of emotion going on right now. So that's why it's built up. But um, yeah, I don't know if it's jealousy. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. Maybe it is. Maybe people just genuinely hate. I don't know how you can hate it. Because, you know, I look at people writing reviews and I'm like, that's subjective. I don't understand how you can be on a on a, on a a hill by yourself and say, yeah, I'm better than you. I wrote a subjective review. Shut the fuck up, bro. How is that better than me counting out how many fucking times the weekend sings about like he was the reason why the relationship broke down i don't understand that how is that better than what i did ah fuck i i think i'm great (laughs) i think i'm the best in the world at what i do i truly do believe that and there is a million reviewers out there there is one hip-hop numbers out there okay just remember that just remember that numbers never lie they never lie all right I'm done. I'm out. I'm done. I can't keep going down this. We'll end up with two-hour podcasts, and I'll lose my entire journalistic fan base, and I'll be blackballed, and I'll be ostracized from the community. I don't want to go that far, but yeah, I was a little bit pissed off today. Just a little bit. Okay. Um, and I do think uh, people just, uh, in general, just value subjectivity over objectivity, and that's I think something that just most of us that's have true. to most of us have to live with. But anyway, yeah, on that note, ladies and gentlemen, this has been Digging Digits. Um, <laughs> hope you've enjoyed this uh, clip unloading. Uh, I've been Charlie uh, Taylor of the Fifth Element. I've been Ben Carter of Hip Hop Numbers. We shall see you next week. Hope you all have a good week. We shall always, always try and do the same. Uh, oh, don't know. Well, when Mrs. Jamal is over now, hope you guys enjoyed this one. To be honest, so I feel I feel like it's a good. I I always enjoy. It. I think I think for October we're gonna do a um, just to, just to throw this out there. I want to do like because UK Black History Month. I just want to do UK artists. So I'm just gonna force you to listen to UK artists. I'm like, <laughs> but uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll cross that bridge when we get to it. But yeah, have a good okay. week, everybody. <laughs> no, 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 say nothing. Um, it's happening. <laughs> okay. That's fair, that's fair. Does he ask who got to be in there? Oh, yeah, facts, that's first. Um, so, right, yeah. Right. Have a good week, everybody. Hope you uh, wish you always trying to do the same. But until the next time, be easy, ladies and gentlemen. All right, peace. Digging in the Digits is produced by me and Ben Carter. The show is edited by me. Music for this show is piece of video games by bonus points. Thanks to Chill Off Breakers for the ability to use. Socials for the Fifth Element, Hip Hop by Numbers, Bonus Points, and Chill Off Breakers will be in the description wherever you're listening. This has been a Fifth Element Podcast Network and Hip Hop by Numbers collaboration. Thanks for spending time with us, and we shall see you next time on Digging in the Digits.